Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. everyone so there aren't too many other announcements um besides that march is uh, women's history month and this podcast episode even though it's retroactive uh, it will be popping up um on sort of the last days of women's history month so i figured i'd just jump into the next segment and then proceed with the program so headlines from the hemispheres is a quick briefing on environmental news globally. So all these headlines are from either um, in different parts of the world. Um, some uh, things I'm going to talk about you may not you know, be familiar with. The first headline is about sea turtles. So why do sea turtles eat ocean plastics? New research points to smell. So new research uh, is coming uh, from uh, the Environmental News Network. That's where it was found. And it comes out of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And it talks about um, how plastic is floating in oceans. And sort of it builds a a coat of algae and microorganisms and other uh, types of ocean life that sort of uh, make a home in the plastics. And these plastics are then food for turtles. Now, the study is um, one that was published online on, on March 9th in the Journal of Current Biology. And it's entitled, Odors from Marine Plastic Debris, Illicit Foraging Behavior in Sea Turtles. So what can you do? There are a number of things. Some practical things are, of course, recycling your waste. I know that in a few U.S. cities, um, in um, smaller uh, parts of towns, that they're actually burning their waste or shipping it to other places, um, which isn't good. That's not, you know, the the point of recycling. But if you can safely recycle um, and can do so where you live, that's uh, one of the important steps to try to combat uh, turtles eating plastic. You can also dispose of your trash where it belongs. Um, picking up after yourself on beach trips and using uh, reusable bags or paper shopping bags and then uh, making good use of those after, especially if they rip. And then buying things um, like uh, larger containers for your drinks instead of carrying tons of small containers and getting rid of those plastic rings that are sometimes around uh, soap, uh, soda cans, uh, for example. Uh, The second headline is all about skin. So how skin cells prepare to heal wounds. So skin cells are amazing. They're the largest or or make up the largest organ that we have as humans, our skin. And so University um, 
researchers at the University of California, Irvine, they published a comprehensive overview of the major uh, changes that occur in mammals, in our in mammalian skin cells, uh, as they prepare to heal wounds. So some fascinating stuff. The uh, title and the uh, the title for uh, the study, for anyone who loves uh, about skin. And about mammals, it's called uh, Defining Epidural Basal um, Cell States During a Skin Homeostasis and Wound Healing Using Single Cell uh, Transmitomics. And it was published in the uh, journal Cell Reports. And to quote the senior ar- the author uh, and also the professor of bio- biological chemistry and dermatology in uh, the UCI School of Medicine, quote, our study lays a foundation for future investigation into the adult epidermis, specifically how the skin is maintained and how it can be can robustly regenerate itself upon injury, end quote. And then the last headline is all about uh, glyphosate, which is a toxic chemical. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit. So first, a map shows global hotspots of glyphosate contamination. And you can learn more about it on ENN.com. The other uh, article um, was uh, from ScienceDaily.com uh, in the Science News section. So glyphosate, or its um, familiar name Roundup, which many may be uh, aware of, is under tons of scrutiny and has been for several years because of its impact on our human health and ecosystems in which it somehow gets into. Um, And so it's big in the farming space and agricultural space, and scientists and engineers have really uh, produced this interconnected uh, global mapping of sort of the hotspots that uh, have contaminated soil around the world, of which glyphosate is in them, and it's a widely known herbicide. And so it's known as a Roundup for anyone who's familiar with that name. And in 2020, Australia is one of the countries around the world that's fighting um, the owners and those who have created uh, Roundup and made it such a big problem. And they're trying to hold them accountable and they're actually trying to fight in court um, with a class action lawsuit uh, in federal court to uh, help uh, solve the issue. Okay, so uh, the news piece for uh, this podcast episode comes from a different site, a different source I wanted to use and get into. Um, It comes from uh, womensvoices.org. And I wanted to focus on something special because, you know, it being uh, a episode that is on the last sort of days of Women's History Month. And doing something special, I thought that this would be great. You know, it'd be the retroactive edition um, because this is produced into the future. Um, I thought that talking about, you know, March and women and women in the environment would be a great um, place to sort of end the month on. I I know that um, it can be hard uh, talking about the intersections of, uh, you know, uh, sex and and gender and the environment and how they're all connected 
Um, and I think we as women, sometimes we get sidelined. In fact, I think that that happens a lot of the time and in different parts of the world. And so I wanted to talk about some statistics um, that you can, you know, talk about amongst your, your peers or family or friends or, you know, you know, share with other people that sort of uh, puts the focus on women. And you can talk about these in future uh, Women's History Month celebrations or if you want to do a focus on women in the environment, these are great to talk about because not everyone, you know, knows about, you know, hot button statistics and to fire these off at people or in your research or in your studies or however you use these, um, this is the way to, to drive conversation and action around improving uh, how women are treated uh, when it comes to um, environmental issues that affect us, our health, um, culturally, how we are um, wherever we are from, wherever country you're from, uh, you know, not every country treats women um, fairly. And in some countries around the world, it's just there's no equivalent, um, you know, when it comes to a man and how he operates in that culture and that society. And, you know, this is a big topic that I think needs to be talked about, needs to be dismantled. So um, we're going to dive into some statistics. So I'm going to talk about about 15 or so, um, you know, be sure to write some notes. And then I'm going to dive into some commentary a little bit later. So the first statistic is about chemicals. There's about 80,000 chemicals that are used specifically in the environment in the U.S. And only a portion of them, about 200, have been only uh, thoroughly tested for safety. Number two is that there was a study uh, by the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics and they reported 100 individual chemicals that women were exposed to by either their personal care products, um, you know, different uh, fragrances, maxi pads, you name it. Anything that had to do with women and us, you know, um, getting ready in the morning or however we do our morning routines, night routines, uh, these chemicals uh, were in our cosmetics and were in our beauty care products. So whether it's mercury that's in mascara or phthalates in fragrances or even styrene in uh, maxi pads, um, these are horrible chemicals that we're exposed to. So that's only a hundred uh, chemicals. Number three is that uh, similarly, uh, women, we tend to experience greater exposure to hazardous cleaning chemicals uh, than men. So this is, you know, mainly because of what gender roles are uh, put upon us women. As, as ladies, we're expected to, to cook and clean and be domestic uh, in some roles and in some settings. And, you know, societally, that's still some of the expectations that are upheld by many um, today and many men uh, alike. And it should have changed over time, it kind of has, but a national study actually showed that uh, over 70% of the household uh, work is completed uh, by women. Uh, so over time, these chemicals that we're exposed to build up over time. And uh, in uh, statistic number four, uh, they accumulate and they sort of bioaccumulate in our fat. You know, we as women, we have a high percentage of fat tissue uh, than men. And we're comparatively exposed to uh, significantly higher levels um, of about 10 
uh, of the 116 toxic chemicals that were tested in a study by the uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, we have uh, 10, uh, 10 of the 116 chemicals. We have significantly uh, charted uh, rates um, as far as those being toxic and found in our bodies. So, you know, three of those uh, chemicals are phthalates. Um, those are common when uh, you think about plastics. Um, they're artificial, they are man-made, and they're linked to things like birth defects. So those who are trying to get pregnant, um, are pregnant, um, are giving birth, um, you're going to see, you know, rates of uh, things that are happening with your babies, with your um, newborns. So, um, you know, that's to be something to be cautious of. And number five is that over the last two decades, so about 20 years, breast cancer rates have actually risen from a risk of only one in 20 to about one in eight. And number six is about um, endocrine disruptors. And these are really affecting uh, girls um, just younger and younger, especially when they start beginning to uh, become young women and they're going through puberty. Uh, it's really um, the, the bouts of uh, endometriosis, which really affects female infertility. And it's getting more common and, and more common than it was a half a century ago. Now, number seven statistics, uh, when it comes to um, those who are the not even born yet, even even in the fetus, uh, the chemicals are reaching uh, those who aren't even born yet. So, in a 2005 study, so going way back, the Environmental Working Group revealed that 287 chemicals, uh, industrial chemicals, they pass through uh, the placenta to the fetus. So they're harming uh, those who are the smallest. Um, of us who are uh, just so uh, young and tiny and um, will soon be born one day and these effects will manifest these um, effects and chemicals will manifest even worse um, because I, I talked about it in the previous podcast with the um, the Asian uh, women the Chinese women who were studied uh, they have um, you know really put themselves at risk uh, because of air pollution and some of those chemicals uh, manifest in their babies and the effects will be you know ADHD and other um, uh, mental conditions and illnesses down the road all because of chemicals but that was specific to uh, air pollution that study uh, I talked about and number eight is that uh, Toxic chemicals are definitely uh, coming from uh, different sides. So beauty products, household cleaners, other types of um, products that women are um, exposed to. Uh, if they're not natural or non-organic or anything like that, or not certified um, safe, uh, you know, most times they're going to uh, have those chemicals be detected in breast milk. So for those who are, uh, you know, trying to breastfeed, you're giving uh, those chemicals small doses, you know, medium doses uh, to your uh, babies. So let's step into women of color and the environment. Uh, so statistic number nine is that unfortunately, uh, African-American women, black women, um, are about 34% more likely to die of certain cancers, one of them being breast cancer. And that's more than white women 
and also they're more um, more apt to getting lupus and autoimmune disease. And this affects uh, African American women, black women at three times the rate of white women. You know, ask yourself why that is. Do you know someone who has lupus? Um, statistic number ten: Lupus uh, disproportionately affects not just uh, black women; uh, it also affects Latin women, Latina women, uh, or Latinx women, uh, Asian women, and also those uh, who are American Indian. Uh, I say indigenous uh, peoples, just to be respectful. But it inf- affects people um, way more uh, higher than it does white women. Number 11 statistic is that African-American women are also more likely to have a preterm uh, babies, premature babies, um, or births, and also give, um, give birth to babies who have a low uh, birth weight. So really, really the smallest of the, uh, they have, you know, they're tiny babies. And sometimes, uh, the, this wasn't mentioned in the um, statistics, but also uh, black women have two times the rate um, of um, dying in childbirth as uh, white women. And that's just a fun fact I know. Uh, number 12 fact is that there are many types of products that um, are supposed to be marketed to women of color, but oftentimes these are really insidious because they're, they're skin lighteners and you know hair relaxers, which I'll talk about um, in my commentary. And these are some of the most toxic products that we have on market that are somehow legally um, allowed to be bought. In fact, in a 2018 study, Uh, of popular hair products that were used by black women, they found that multiple chemicals uh, were associated and connected with endocrine disruption and also asthma. So they're trying to uh, essentially kill off black women by uh, the way that uh, her asthma uh, could be affecting her. So that's that uh, respiratory illnesses, you know, could be connected there and endocrine disruptance. Disruptance. Uh, number 13 statistic is that 46% of uh, housing units for the poor, they mostly are within uh, miles of factories and they um, affect the those who are people of color and uh, they sit within a mile or so of factories that uh, claim and say to the EPA that we uh, are reporting toxic emissions. So they are telling the EPA, yes, we have toxic emissions and uh, 46% of uh, housing units, so apartments or uh, certain uh, dwellings where multiple people live, most often they're people of color and they're living in these toxic environments. So this leads you know, people of color to have extremely high rates of things that are abnormal. So lead poisoning, asthma rates, um, things uh, that contain uh, horrible chemicals that affect children and young kids, um, and these affect them well into adulthood, um, especially if they've lived in those areas for a long time or never their family never moves from these areas. That's something also because not everyone is able to just move um, out to a better area and they're exposed constantly throughout their whole entire life. Uh, contaminated water, pesticides, and mercury exposure, um, those are other um, things that we're exposed to um, as people of color. Number 14 statistic is that one study 
uh, found that blood levels of uh, chlorinated or polychlorinated uh, biphenols or PCBs, uh, these were at the levels of six to nine times higher in the Yupik people of Alaska, hopefully I'm saying that right, uh, than in the generation generational uh, uh, population of people in the 48 states. So I know Alaska is a huge state, um, but they have exposure that's way above the uh, normal average than those of us um, in the uh, other states, uh, in the uh, 48 states, the mainland, I guess you would say. And then last but not least, this statistic is about the VOCs or volatile organic compounds. Now, I've talked in several episodes about um, the exposure that VOCs have and what they can cause. And in a recent study, back in 2018, um, everyday consumer products that were uh, responsible for VOCs were about 38% uh, of emissions, and these are major uh, contributors uh, in air pollution. So whenever you, um, you know, look into statistics or stories about air pollution, keep in mind VOCs. Whenever someone tells you, oh, about, you know, gasoline prices or, you know, maybe a leak or something of that nature, um, you know, VOCs, volatile organic compounds, they account for um, a, a big part of the air pollution. I just want to say that um, we as women are strong. We as women, you know, we deserve. We deserve to be heard um, within the U.S. and the U.S. Um, U.S. society um, and abroad. You know, in other countries, I feel like depending on which country you were born, it's almost um, it's a blessing. Or it could be a curse to be a woman. But I feel like we as women, we, we protect the environment so much. We are so uh, thoughtful, so caring. We are the future of this planet. Um, you know, we are half of this world's you know population. Um, and we have more power. And in the years to come, you know, people of color are going to take their power back. And they're going to shape what this country uh, looks like. And they're going to shape what this world is already looking like. They're going to do more for this planet. Um, whether it's, you know, African-Americans, Latinos, Asian-Americans. We we do so much um, to make our mark on this world. Um, but, you know, in that same regard, we're also treated like crap. And when you look at things like, you know, hazardous waste and, and where it's located or just how environmental racism is so entrenched uh, in where we live, uh, in where people of color populate uh, in the U.S., for example. You know, for me, I live within 15 miles of a landfill. You know, you think you would say the same of some of the hot button celebrities? Do you think that that Angelina Jolie would live near a landfill or do you think that um, you know, Oprah Winfrey would do so? No, you know, and is that by design? Maybe. I think that because um, the landfill isn't going anywhere and, you know, my, where I live, uh, it's it's near and dear to me. I think that they would, they put that landfill there and they just built, um, you know, neighborhoods around it um, and they didn't really put into, um, 
they they didn't put to mind and plan uh, what would happen afterwards. You know, people move away or people get older, people die. But the effects of that one landfill, like how is the, the gas uh, being siphoned off? How is uh, it being maintained years after it will close? Because landfills will not stay open forever. Um, I know that, you know, studying and, and, and reading about them um, because, you know, waste is a big issue to me. Um, environmental racism um, is real and it affects me because um, because of where I live. It's a it's a great place. It's like middle class, um, depending on, you know, which homes and stuff you look at. Now, people may say, oh, they're upper middle class, etc. Or where people live. It's just it just may be that. But also, you know, race um, plays a factor in that. And I think if this was the majority um, uh, white place where I lived, then uh, the effects would be different. The outcry would be different. Um, I think that people need to be real about uh, where they live and, and how they're being treated based on uh, what they look like. Uh, and in the U.S., we, we don't have enough uncomfortable conversations um, about that, about you know, how uh, black men are treated, black women are treated, um, etc. That is something that people just, they, it's almost like they shy away from that. And, you know, as a woman, it's important to feel heard, uh, to be listened to. And we, we love that. We want to feel as women that we are respected, that we are heard, that we um, aren't disrespected, and that we uh, can influence and be powerful and be empowered and not have anyone uh, try to stop us and try to to limit us um, because that is so demeaning and that's so uh, backwards you know and that's that's been uh, a fight that we've continued for uh, over 80 years now um to bring a statistic um, about there was a 2017 uh, woman lead report that was talking about women legislators and and how they vote on environmental measures and protections more than males, more than uh, men in either the House of Representatives or the Senate. And so that got me thinking. You know, I was asking, you know, do men even care about the environment um, if we as women are, are voting to protect it more? to uh to safeguard it and it made me think um you know does do people think that protecting the environment is somehow um makes uh, a man less of a man or it's just a purely a woman's uh you know mama bear instinct to protect uh i think no i i think that men should not be uh conditioned to to not protect the environment, you know, they're 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 conditioned to protect, profess, and provide, and to be men and to, to safeguard the women and their family, and to to be strong and to be figureheads. But we as women, we should be able to uh, fight for the environment and and make legislation that matters. And men should also be able to do the same. Uh, in, in equal numbers as well. Um, but if women are leading the fight, that's that's powerful. That's what we need. Um, but if women, if men aren't caring about the environment, um, you know, and it's a it's a majority um, male, you know, patriarchal um, government that we have, uh, then we're going to be set back. 
because if men are, are making these laws or passing legislation, uh, they're go they're going to need us. We need to be in the, in the numbers. We need to be increased uh, in those numbers. And uh, for right now, men are sort of leading that. I'm not saying that there's not more women representation, but it needs to be uh, stronger than it already is. Uh, there are um, several things when it comes to women's health. Uh, one of the polls recently was talking about uh, women's health and health care decisions uh, and women being responsible for their families. About nearly two-thirds of women um, in a recent poll, you know, being responsible for health care decisions for their family. Um, and I, I thought about, you know, questions like, you know, are women getting the care that they need, even though they're in charge of uh, their health care, um, in charge of health care for families or their family? Like, how are they um, uh, uh, how are they setting the the precedent for what goes in their household? Um, I know that medical racism is a thing. And as I talked about earlier, you know, there's high mortality when it comes to childbirth and black women are, you know, twice as likely uh, to be killed than uh, white women. Um, but I think that women should have more uh, power in their households. You know, financial uh, decisions should be definitely held by women um, because that's that's what you see a lot of times anyway. Sure, a man may make the money, but a woman is controlling, you know, where it goes, how it's spent, if it's in, if it's saved, invested, you know, like clockwork. That's a wonderful thing. Um, women who, um, in Estonia, I, I, I knew this already, but women there are treated like amazingly, and especially something like maternity leave, um, you know, diving into and talking about health, they're entitled to a whole bunch of days, about 100 and I think 40 days of a fully pay, paid pregnancy and maternity leave, you know, and their uh, half of their days, 70 days can start even before uh, their estimated due date. So women and men um, have, you know, tons of paternity leave and, and maternity leave. Um, I think that that's a, a powerful thing for women to have. Um, and in society, in, in the U.S., if we got on board with this, this would be groundbreaking, um, especially being a country that is a part of the so-called uh, developed world and is a developed nation, developed country. We should have these type of things uh, for women. Um, I think I want to uh, talk about a few other um, polls one of them uh, being a 2016 poll. Uh, so uh, from the Pew Research Center, 57% uh, of women um, said that the environment was super important to them and when it comes to the uh, next election. And it was not so much that important as far as men. It was about 47% of men thought that, you know, em environmental um, topics were somehow important. And so... You know, if any man, man, men are listening, you know, why do you, uh, why do you, why do you not think that the environment is a, you know, political um, topic that should be talked about, discussed? Is the environment even, you know, make your top 10 list of important issues? Um, you know, whether uh, you're a woman or a man, you should uh, respect the environment. You should protect it. Um, you should uh, learn that these, of these Issues that we talk about that happen to um, have a political 
a face to them, they are connected to us. Um, so something like health, I've talked about it a, a little bit, you know, bit throughout this uh, podcast. Health is important. Whether you are about to be a young mom or you um, are putting on uh, beauty products and they're going to affect your health, um, you know, until you die, you are responsible for your health, sure, but also um, politically, how are these, um, you know, issues going to affect you? How are healthcare uh, bills or premiums or access going to affect you? These are things that we, we worry about as people, but as women, we have, uh, you know, more things to worry about, you know, regarding our health. Uh, lastly, I want to talk about um, some racial um, and, and ethnic minorities. Uh, we, um, women, there there was a poll that was talking about how women, they place um, higher levels of importance when it comes to the treatment of racial and ethnic minorities uh, than men do. So it was about 69% of men, of, of women, I think it's important versus 56% of men. I think, um, you know, about the importance of racial and ethnic minorities. Um, so that says a lot. So women are uh, placing uh, racial and ethnic minorities in our issues and our in our um, ailments and things that concern us, you know, higher, almost 70% versus men, it's not even 60%. Um, so consider that, you know, that that's a, that's a win. That's a, that's a big um, move. That's a big win. Um, it's not enough because of these, if these issues that affect us, um, those who happen to be people of color or black people, um, th that, uh, if those issues, um, aren't addressed, then, you know, we're only, uh, thinking that they are important or putting them in high regard, but we must, uh, do more to, um, break apart those issues. So that's uh, all that I wanted to talk about in my commentary. And next, I wanted to talk about some quick tips that I have uh, for you all in this podcast. And uh, we're going to get to that in just a bit. All right, we've come to the Mother Earth Minutes. So this time where we review in the next few minutes proactive things we can all do to combat the issue in the episode and to protect Mother Earth. Now, there was a few different things that we talked about uh, specific to the statistics, how I felt about some of them, and some of my views about some different uh, issues and statistics not really mentioned. But I think a, a central message for um, just in general to, to uh, think about and to uh, remember is that when women talk, listen. Uh, we, we talked about how issues in the environment and things that affect us every day, big and small, are really, really big. And to women, they affect us. Uh, they affect our health. They affect our physical. They affect our mental. They affect uh, where we, how we live and where we live. Um, one of the first tips I have is to be a learner uh, in the space of what women's pain is and how we feel. If we uh, feel uh, horrible and our health is at risk, don't take it lightly. If we're telling you about what's harming us or what's healing us, uh, respect us. Respect us enough to listen, to help, to aid, to not dismiss. Don't box us out and don't disregard our experiences, um, whatever they may be. You know, a lot of the times uh, when you think about medical discrimination or medical racism, um, women of color, black women especially, uh, were dismissed or, or, or were, their stereotype is that our pain 
is 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 what makes us strong or this black women are so strong that we can't feel that we are invincible that we are almost like robots to be um uh poked and prodded and um not to be taken seriously and so one of the things is to one of the things that is really really big and this is just for life is to listen when a, a woman is is talking to not just regard her because she's simply a woman because she was born a female you know to not hold prejudice uh, against her or to discriminate against someone uh, or say that they as a woman are you know pushy or bossy or aggressive because she's asserting herself in her power. I think a lot of times um, men or someone who uh, thinks that they are being emasculated or someone who feels like they are being disrespected uh, says that oh she was too stern or, oh, she was uh, just getting on my nerves. Or, oh, she was just being a woman. Or she was being too emotional. Which I hate when anybody says that women are emotional or anything like that. Because emotions are varied and they are not uh, a singular point. You know, just because someone sheds tears doesn't mean that they're emotional. It means that they're crying. It means that they are feeling. It means that they are human. And so when we talk about women and what harms us or what heals us or what we're, what's happening with us, uh, these things need to be enforced, you know, to not um, disrespect us, to not, you know, kill us in the numbers that's, that's being, that's happening. Um, and in the environmental space, when a woman is saying that she is having um, problems getting pregnant because she lives in a factory and she goes to a town hall meeting and her question isn't answered or she hasn't given a follow-up um, response or she's because she's not someone in power she's not thought of as important but she voted a special person in office that is harming women that, that harms everybody in the community and that that makes her feel less than makes her feel less than important and that's the opposite of what we want to do. Um, so the key is when a woman is talking, when a woman is telling you her experience, um, whether that may be about her health or how she's treated um, because of you know where she lives or um, environmentally how something is affecting her and her health or internally, um, listen to her. You know we need to all be better listeners, but I feel like with women, us being women. Sometimes we're neglected um, just because, just because we're, we're thought of as um, not worthy or just because we're not a man, um, you know, we can't lead a country or we, we, there's not enough, you know, women CEOs, etc. I could go on. So it's very important to listen to women. And number two is to ban or um, ban products that don't serve you or directly um, affect your health. Now, I couldn't, you know, find an exhaustive list of all the products to, you know, have in your, you know, uh, body care, skincare routine because there are thousands out there. And I'll probably do another podcast episode about uh, some of the best products to use. But for those that have a history, the companies that have a, a big history of um, harming uh, the health of women, 
or people, period, distance yourself from using those products. You know, voice your stance on those products. You know, go to the social media pages of these companies. Um, make sure that you take them to task. Sometimes you just have to sue. Sometimes you have to do your due diligence. You know, do these uh, ingredients in these product, are they organic? Are they uh, certified worthy? Are they um, healthy? Have they been uh, tested, you know, tried and true? Uh, how can you trust a product? Uh, there's there's so much research to be done, and there's research that has been done on on products, sure, but you can't always trust that. You know, you can't trust what someone um, creates in a lab and just sells on uh, social media, or you know, it's been popularized because it's on TikTok. That's not that's not um, smart. You know, that's not wise to do. You know, are you just going off of a product because of word of mouth and reviews? Or are you seriously considering how this uh, company has operated throughout the years? You know, when were they certified uh, USDA organic? Um, how many years have they been in business? How many negative reviews have they have they gotten? Um, and, you know, when it comes to manufacturers and how they operate, um, when was the last time that uh, they were ever sued? Do they uh, make uh, products that um, are in sweatshops? How do they treat their um, employees? You know, do they are they a, a majority women-owned company? Uh, or do they support women? Do they give back? Do they uh, give grants or education to projects that happen to do with women or girls or STEM projects, which um, are science, technology, engineering, and, and mathematics uh, fields? You know, I think that. Uh, there need to be more women-owned companies, more eco companies, especially. And if women are involved in those companies, are they the owners? Are they the CEOs? Are they treated fairly? Um, you know, in, in India, um, in other countries, you know, in East Asian countries, um, a lot of the workers um, who are in some of these factories are women. And so when there are sweatshops that are popping up or there are um, facilities that are torn apart because of, you know, uh, malfunctioning buildings and standards, women are at risk and they're being killed all because of, you know, $5 shirts and, you know, $50 sneakers. So if you're, you're um, buying into a company that is a part of that problem, you know, the, the solution is to stop being a part of a consumer of those goods of from that company. A third and last tip is to vote for women on the ballots in your government. So whether it's your local government, state government, um, you know, those who are in the office of the governors, and I, I want to see more uh, female governors in the U.S. It's just me, um, or even at the federal level in the cabinet, or possibly the president. Um, of the United States, you know, voting for women uh, when they're on the ballot, you know, getting these women in high position um, uh, fields and offices so that, so that they can support um, the, the issues that affect women. Um, at, at any issue that affects a woman, uh, she's bound to talk about it. Now, whether it um, you know, passes and becomes, you know, a great bill and a law, that's another thing, but that's another topic. So the, the aim here is to have representation of us women uh, in uh, legislative uh, uh, governance and uh, being powerful in these positions. Only nine U.S. governors uh, were women uh, in, in this year, in, this, in the year 2020. 
and uh, when you look you know over the country statewide it's really small it's like 20 28 percent um, almost 30 percent um, statewide um, executive offices are of women and then in Congress it's not even 10 percent of women of color period not even uh, you know black Asian etc just not a lot of representation there um, and in Congress I think that there needs to be more women um, who are um, representative of who uh, their communities are you know a lot of communities have women and men etc um, in them there needs to be more representation in Congress a last tip I had another one um, just by the the by the grace um, that I think that this episode can provide. Um, I did another podcast episode um, called The Stain of Unsustainable Pads and Tampons and Better uh, Green Alternatives. So if you want, you know, I think that'd be a great episode for you to check out. Any women who are who are listening, this is definitely a podcast episode for those who are trying to go green with their um, uh, lady parts and with their, you know, diva cups or pads or options like that, you know, maybe some tampons you thought that, you know, you needed and you want to go eco and go green. Um, that is the podcast episode to check out. I did it on September 15th, uh, 2019. So just scroll through and be sure to earmark that so you can check out all the different information that was in that episode. I really love the commentary piece I did there, and I got some great feedback about it. I had a real fun um, learning experience, and I, you know, just poured myself out about, um, you know, women's products when it comes to us and how we should be um, unashamed um, of our track um, as women and, you know, being bleeders and uh, not being embarrassed or seen as um, seen as not um, having uh, the right to to talk about uh, what happens in our um, with our pads and with our bodies and you know tampon use and you know that being somehow discarded or thought of as nasty in history of that like I really went deep with it so um, I had a good time, you know, talking about it and some really great uh, lessons taught, um, lessons learned, some really great information was packed in that podcast episode. So um, I hope you all can check it out. And so I will proceed uh, next. fact of the day is that Sweden shuts down one of its four uh, nuclear reactors at the Ringgold power stations after 44 years of operation. Switzerland shutters its Molberg reactor beginning the nation's exit from nuclear power. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club, Sierra Magazine, in the March-April 2020 issue. have come to the Eagle Company Spotlight. This is the time in Greener Thoughts where if you have an Eagle Company or product or something of that sort that happens to be environmental, uh, you can let me know about it and I can review it. 
So I was free of charge. I love learning about different companies uh, around the globe, uh, even nationally that are doing amazing things with the environment. You can always be sure to send me a voice message about it and I can feature it in the show uh, or a uh, email. I love those as well. I've been reviewing companies for a bit now since uh, February 2019 and there's always so many uh, things to learn about them. Um, so many different products to try and, you know, give my amazing feedback when it comes to some of them I've tried. And so one of them, uh, one of the latest companies I want to uh, let you all know about is called Smart 180 Snacks. Now, there's a quote about one uh, Smart uh, 180 Snacks and it goes as such. Quote, as a young adult in the, in the 80s, I grew up with all the good old American snacks, Twinkies, Donuts, sweet sugar-filled pies, and chocolate-covered candy bars. I definitely wasn't the healthiest, but I was never too concerned about my health until I got married and my wife and I started a family. With four kids, it was a challenge finding snacks that were healthy, affordable, and that my kids especially enjoyed eating. And that's when I decided in September 1998 in my small kitchen at home to create healthy snacks and tasty snacks, end quote. And that's from the 180 Snacks founder and CEO. And the vision of 180 Snacks is and will always be to create a wonderful sets and amazing products that are healthy and tasty and are really, really just both staples and have innovative ingredients. And so uh, when it comes to the commitment to sustainability and what 180 Snacks does, a Smart 180 Snacks, they are amazing uh, in that they are dairy-free, uh, gluten-free, kosher. They have kosher ingredients. Um, they are non-GMO. They're also a certified USDA organic. They are peanut-free. They're SQF certified and they're also vegan. So I don't know about you, but there aren't too many uh, companies that I know that are all those things. And when it comes to their uh, products and their product selection that they have, they have a few different things. Um, they have these amazing cute uh, gourmet squares, which are like uh, snack bars in square form, but they're really uh, crunchy and amazing. Uh, sort of like that uh, gooeyness that maybe you're used to in a regular conventional bar, but with a twist. Uh, they have uh, these uh, skinny nutrition type of snacks, which are basically oven-baked and really, really cool. And they have also snack bars. So your uh, crunchy granola snack bar, but definitely not too much on the crunch side. Uh, they have different uh, components of their snack bars. Uh, my experience of Smart 180 snacks, um, it's been a varied one because I tried this uh, like pouch pack that they have and I ate like all of the bars. I had the cranberry nut and seed crunch bars. Um, it was uh, really okay. Um, I wish it was more sweet, but that's because I just love sweets when it comes to um, a granola bar and a granola bar with like give. So I don't like too much of the crunchy. Um, of a traditional granola bar. So I'd give it a two out of five or a three out of five rating, which I haven't really done before giving uh, those types of ratings, but I'm just giving my honest feedback and opinion of it. Um, I wish that there was more variety with the pouch packs because if you're getting 
um, them on sale or you're you're getting as much as you can for the packs that they sell them for um, which are you know reasonable prices then you should have more variety and flavors uh, with the snack bars and I also feel that it was a great idea uh, to have crunch and you know it being a, a, a seed bar you know having some rice balls those were cute you know it's 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 different but I think that the the execution of it um, needs to be more popularized so that it can appeal to a wider audience of, uh, you know, snack bar goers. Um, I think that overall crunch is cool. You know, crunch is what sells, sure, but that may not be everybody's liking. You know, for me, I love chewy. Um, so, you know, making uh, varieties of snacks, um, different flavors, all packed into one instead of, um, you know, one singular flavor uh, pouch. Uh, for your snacks, I think that, that would be key and just definitely to diversify uh, flavors a little bit. Uh, with Smart uh, 180 Snacks, they can be found online on the website at www.180snacks, that's 180snacks.com, and then go to shop the section on the website. 100% of 180 Snacks online uh, that are sold online uh, profits go to a uh, charity. Their snacks are available at a few different vendors, but they weren't really uh, specified on the website. But if you shop around, you can find them on places like Amazon, uh, eBay.com, and Walmart, among other stores. Smart 180 Snacks is on the following social media platforms, uh, Facebook at 180 Snacks Inc. They're on Instagram at 180 Snacks, and they're on Twitter at 180 Snacks. To contact Smart uh, 180 Snacks, just go to their website again, uh, 180snacks.com, and then go to contact at the top of their website to either email or message them or just follow them on social media. All right, everyone. So thank you all for listening. I love you all. You are amazing. Thank you for listening into this a different podcast episode, you know, about women, about the environment, uh, some t- statistics that you may not have uh, learned about or heard too much about, you know, the different reports um, and research studies that they were conducted from. Um, I will uh, leave the link uh, for the uh, webpage so you can check it out and, you know, be sure to share it. Um, if you learned something new, then that is amazing. That was the goal of this podcast episode as of any uh, episode that I, you know, try and do and we share information together. Um, anyone who's listening who is, you know, a lady and or, you know, women who, you know, regardless of age, you know, think about how maybe their environment and where you live has affected you, um, maybe close to home, maybe it's genetic and, you know, the environment seems to never, you know, be on your side, you know, no matter what you, what you do. But, you know, with the tips here, I think that they can sort of change that. There's probably more tips, of course, but I felt like um, the more tangible ones and more applicable ones, um, they're easy to do. And I, so I talked about them. Um, so I just thank you all again for listening. Always, uh, it means so much to be able to talk to you all and be in this space here and just, you know, share my thoughts um, bring great information and hear from you all. Um, I love the reviews when you do them and appreciate them. Uh, th- those mean a whole lot, especially 
um, getting other people to um, listen in on the podcast and they get to learn some things. They get to, um, you know, listen to me and I get to talk with them and we have great exchange. Uh, So all in all, please take care of yourselves and also please take care of the planet. Thanks so much. Well, take care. Bye.